All right, well, it's uh, Monday, September 20th, 2021, and uh, it was Blue Frog for dinner today uh, for the girlfriend's birthday, so we went there. We had some uh, burgers. They have buy one, get one free on Mondays after 4 p.m., and then, of course, we had some blue cocktails. And I'm not going to lie, that word gets me all the time, and this is not just my child brain laughing at this, but like cocktails. Where'd the name come from? Where'd the word come from? No idea. Anyway, burgers are great there. The only problem with Blue Frog, which is a Shanghai restaurant chain, uh, is that they have a a terrible beer selection. So I guess they signed a contract with Anheuser-Busch or whatever. So they have Budweiser, Stellar Trois, Goose Island, and the other one that they all have. Uh, Whole Garden. There we go. So those are the four beers that they have on tap, which are terrible. Like The Budweiser is terrible. Uh, Goose Island is passable, but eh. Uh, Stella Artois is alright if you want to feel European, but it's not really. And then Whole Garden, uh, yeah, I guess it's alright. But yeah, it's just not the same. If you went one restaurant over to Cumex instead, they have the local beers of the Slobo. Uh, They don't have Jingy, but I mean, it it does confuse me that uh, a restaurant chain wouldn't partner with the local craft beer places but that being the case they do what they do but they, they do make good burgers and today i had the, the double burger which usually when i eat it I'm, I'm stuffed afterwards but since i had a workout today i was able to eat the whole thing and yeah even the fries and everything so it was uh, it was uh pretty good interesting observation though um over the weekend, that following on Friday's sort of comment, like, why do I study so much? I'm looking at my bookcase, and I was thinking about all the books that you see in Chinese bookstores, and none of them are about the future. I mean, unless they're science fiction, but then it's like a fantasy type of interpretation of uh, the, the future, whereas, like, you don't read books in Chinese that are published about the future, like the year 2050, the year 2100. And I do suspect that a lot of this is sort of like uh, a result that if China, if a Chinese person, a Chinese author ever published a book about the year 2050 or year 2100 that was not sort of uh, more Western-centric, you know, with the power base being in the United States, like in some university in the United States or some university in Europe... I would imagine that the media would jump all over. That's my suspicion. That is my suspicion about... It's not why they haven't published them. It's also... when, When thinking about that, most of the authors that are these future thinkers, like the futurists, I guess you'd call them, uh, is is what they are called, uh, they all live in the Western part of the, the, the developed world. So... They have access to different research libraries, research uh, tools, um, an assortment of other people, communications. uh, Whereas here in China, it's not so much. But even still, and this follows on last week's um, observation of the robotics industry here, the AI push. I've heard that the AI push goes in like 30-year cycles. That, you know, the last time AI was a huge topic was back in like, I guess it was mid to late 80s. That was when they, because that was when like computers started, became a little bit more mainstream rather than 
just the purview of a few large universities with large endowments. But th that was sort of the last big push to AI. And even now looking at AI, whether or not it's able to do what we want it to do, I think it's still far away. And I, I speak as like an English teacher, wherein the one great thing I would love to have is a chat bot that would, I guess, get through all of the standard questions that you would ask someone, but in a conversational manner, like, hey, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, do you have any brothers or sisters, etc.? I think like, just easy softball questions that you could ask anybody uh, that, do, that does set the stage. And the idea would be to have that as a tool that would then lead into a larger conversation about, oh, I see that you have three brothers and, or two sisters, or you have one brother, or you have no siblings. Like how, what are you doing now? How are your parents? Things like, so you could develop the conversation from there. That is the one thing I would love to see happen with the AI, with the programming. And it's one of the things that I, I've been trying to work on with my own Python program. The idea of me picking up Python programming is to, to, to do this. So that's the idea. But there's no futurists, as far as I can tell, uh, in China. I haven't seen any. Um, I, I can't lie that my Chinese isn't that good. That Would I be able to spot them? But I do see a lot of books that have been translated from a foreign language into Chinese. So, I don't know, where are the futurists? Now, this, all, the, one of the reasons why this sort of popped into mind was because uh, last week I had the chance to visit one of the, uh, uh, the education rooms, the party education rooms. Put it another way, brainwashing rooms is what uh, it was sort of described to me. And it, so it was, cloaked in red. I shouldn't say it's cloaked in red. There's no curtains or anything, but there's posters uh, with writing on it. Uh, and it was basically, and it had all the uh, like Xi Jinping's books that were all there, and a lot of the party, the Communist Party books. It had all of the Rimmen Rabao, and I was looking for June, for July 1st. I wanted that edition, uh, but I didn't see anything from this year. I guess since the pandemic hit, they stopped getting the newspaper delivered, so there was no, uh, there was I couldn't see anything from this year. It was all from 2020. Uh, so too bad on that one. Then they had the uh, uh, Jing, which is uh, the uh, the CCP part, like the party magazine, I guess it is. But they had all the literature, or at least some of it. Uh, one bookshelf dedicated to uh, party literature. Uh, much of it was like you know about Mao or about Xi Jinping or about the other Communist Party leaders. And then on, on the wall itself, it had four panels, five panels total, but four of them outlay, outline sort of the, the, the rights, responsibilities, and duties or obligations of good party members. So I was asking a few people around me, like, what would it take to get into, like, the, the Communist Party of China? Like, what, what would someone have to do? I mean, I, I don't think a foreigner can go in. Let's put it that way. And I, my main interest was... Whether or not, if because we deal with a lot of clients who want to go overseas, if someone goes overseas, does that disable them from entering the, the Communist Party of China? It turns out the answer is no. You can you can be anybody anywhere. Uh, of course, say in theory whatever, but I mean it's the same in all political parties. But you can go study overseas, get your bachelor's, your master's, or whatever PhD, and come back. And part of the vetting process 
for the party membership is that you have to take a few uh, courses and then tests. The last I heard from someone who was actually in the party was that they actually had an, uh, an app, like an APP, that they had to sign into every day and review a certain amount of literature. And it would check mark it, right? So like, kind of like on Udemy, where like once you reach a certain point of the video, it puts a check mark in the little box or a little circle. So it, it considers it's completed. Same thing with this, this app. And this was every day. I mean, talk about patriotism. I mean, wouldn't, is that a bad idea to have an app dedicated to like the working ideology of your country, of your government, and then to have a room in each building, every state sponsored. How was it put? It was because it was a room in a building, but the building was public. Uh, it was like a privately built, I guess, or how would you say? It wasn't, not everyone could go in, so it wasn't like a public park or anything, but it was uh, a building uh, that was commercial property, but then a state company had an office in there, and so as a result, they had to have uh, one of these state-funded boardrooms, basically, state boardrooms, um, state education, state meeting rooms. So basically, it was a meeting room, a glorified meeting room, um, with like the, the nice chairs that were actually comfortable to sit in, one, one TV on the, the far side. Um, so things like that. And it, it's sort of, you look at it and go, it, that's not such a bad idea. Like, why don't more do, like, if you had that in Canada, if you had a party members meeting room in any building i can only imagine the shit show in litigation in canada forget the united states the united states did litigate you even by thinking about that sort of stuff but canada they would litigate you so badly into like you can't do that you can't you can't tell me what to think even though we voted you in sort of thing so it really does. When I see something like that, I look, wow. I mean, this uh, this is a difference between China and the rest of the world. Um, I've never seen it in, in Canada. I haven't. I know in the United States they have, you know, people or buildings will have certain affinities towards political parties. But you don't have the same sort of patriotism towards uh, one party in Canada. That's part and parcel because in Canada we have so many political parties that it's it's almost difficult to just pick one. Every election, Canada is going through an election right now. Uh, I'll tell you, every Canadian election is basically an agreement between two or three parties about how not to let the other guy win. That's what it comes down to. Uh, at least that's what it seems. Like it's, and it's usually a battle, a big battle between the, uh, the Conservatives and the Liberals but then there's always like there whether it's majority or minority government, it always comes down to like a secondary or even a tertiary political group that has to sign like make some sort of agreement that would give that block of two or three parties more votes, more seats in parliament than the other guys. It, it's almost it almost becomes kind of a joke. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'm glad I never went into politics except as an armchair uh, politician, right? Um, this weekend uh, was the air defense siren system. Uh, sorry, just to finish up on the uh, the political room. Basically, it was, you know, lots of newspapers, a lot of books. Uh, it's where they would hold a meeting if, you know, the, the company needed to review some issue uh, that had come up for state-sponsored companies. 
Anyway, uh, Saturday was the air defense system. I guess it was the air defense awareness system. But it was only outside the fifth ring road, so we couldn't really hear it here. I was outside. I had three recorders going, but I couldn't hear anything. You could hear it very faintly, but you couldn't hear very much. So uh, there was um, yeah, kind of a disappointment on that. On the other hand, I did find a good podcast to listen to finally um, using Ting Ting FM. So this is my go-to Chinese FM radio podcast player. And anyone who's in mainland China can download this Ching Ting, uh, so it's Q-I-N-G-T-I-N-G-F-M, and it has lots of different streaming services available, uh, and I use it, this is my extensive listening APP, and I can't remember the name of the podcast, uh, actually, to tell you the truth, I don't really know the name, uh, but it has a, a guy, an older guy in his 40s probably, um, and he talks in a very slow, not not horribly slow, but slow enough that you can follow along. And he talks like, you know, sort of conversational. So it's uh, colloquial words, but not overly, overly colloquial that you can't understand. So it's good. Uh, so I'm able to follow along. And I understand he, he, from what I do understand, is that he talks a lot about um, like current events, but like technology, like the big headlines, uh, a lot of culture events as well. Uh, so it's, it's nice to be able to sort of get away from like the business radio that I was listening to, CNR is the other radio station I was listening to in uh, China, China National Radio, Chinese National Radio. But CNR, that is that contains a lot of the business and the economics news reports. And it's just standard Mandarin Chinese. A lot of advertisements I've found. Not like this guy, not so many advertisements, which is nice. On the other hand, uh, while I was listening to my Qingting uh, FM, my... Chinese podcast. Very sadly, I've discovered that Tim's Cafe or Tim Hortons China has changed the cream cheese consistency. No, not just the consistency. They've changed. They've changed the cream cheese that they offer now with their bagel and cream cheese. This was a horrible disappointment, and this follows. This follows the removal of the chocolate cake Timbits that they had. So it's like the cake donuts, and like we, you, we have them in Canada. Okay, so you, you go to Tim, uh, you go to Tim Hortons, you get your Tim bits, and you get the chocolate one. That consistency, that's the one I'm talking about when I say chocolate cake Timbit. They used to have them here about two months ago. They got rid of them. Don't know. They, they were on sale for a long time, and then gone. Now, and they used to sell real cream cheese with the bagel. Now it's this this. It's almost like watery butter type stuff. I almost think of when you get McDonald's pancakes and you get that butter that they put on top. It's like it's kind almost it kind of tastes like butter, but then it's just like you you touch you it's too fluffy. You're going, it's not. I can't be butter. <laughs> it's it's fluffed butter. That's what that is. And that's and if it's fluffed butter, that means it's not genuine. That's what Tim's has done here in China. And I'm horribly disappointed. This is strike two. Now, will I stop going there? Not just yet. They still have cheaper coffee than Starbucks. It's 18 kwai for, or 21 kwai for a chow da bay. So it's extra large uh, drip coffee, which is, they call it Xian Sui Cafe, uh, which is like fresh coffee. Uh, but, so I'll, I'll, I will still go there for that, but 
yeah, horribly disappointed with the cream cheese. I might just stop eating the cream cheese and just have the bagels because at least the bagels are still decent enough. Anyway, so that was my uh, my my weekend with <laughs> with uh, living here in Beijing and uh, very quiet. I was actually surprised that today on Monday. I know I'm going a little bit longer today, but uh, today Monday. We're in the middle of the Mid-Autumn Festival, but all the kids, apparently, like the the international school down the street, they're in session. They were Parents were dropping their kids off uh, as I was walking home from the cafe this morning um, at 8 o'clock. They were dropping kids off, and apparently that school was in full swing. Tomorrow, I assume, it's going to be closed because tomorrow is the actual... Um, uh, the middle mid autumn festival. Um, we never did get any chocolate, any more chocolate mooncakes. It's no problem. We'll get some tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so they were in school, but none like the banks were closed. A lot of things were closed other than like your regular sort of restaurants that are always open. Starbucks was always open. Tim Hortons is always open. It's the one thing about living in Beijing. It's like, there's always something open, even if, it's a national holiday, like for National Day break coming up November, uh, sorry, October 1st to 8th or 7th. In Beijing, we're going to have planes fly across probably. But other than that, it's going to be, other than the banks being closed for three or four days straight and the stock market being closed, life carries on. You can still order burgers, you can still order, go out for coffee and everything. So that's the one benefit about being in a big city like this is that things Never really do close. So anyway, uh, that's what's been going on for the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, with the blue frog, it was nice because we had the uh, the blue cocktails. We had uh, uh, some. It had tequila in it. Uh, it was like a margarita, but it was like a blue margarita, I guess. It, it was pretty good. Um, with those, I guess what you had to do, you had to buy a burger and then buy the drink, and then you would get one burger free. So and then also with the uh, the drink. Uh, up until 8 p.m., you'd get one free refill. Now, one free refill refill just means that they've sort of factored into the cost, of course. So, uh, a couple hundred quid total for for dinner, two burgers and two drinks with two refills. So, you do the math. Is that a deal? <laughs> I don't know. They have good burgers. I'm not going to complain too loudly. Um, and they did give us some free sweet potato fries because we uh, actually. After, I didn't realize that they didn't come with the meal. You had to ask for them. So we did ask for them, and they're like, don't worry about it. We'll just give you some. So a little, little bucket of sweet potato fries. It was great of them. Anyway, I hope you guys are well. Had a good weekend. Uh, and, yeah, we're uh, starting a new week here. I know you guys are work as usual in, in Canada, United States, UK, and around the world. Uh, but here in China, we tomorrow will be a day, to, a day off. Uh our office is closed. Most, I think, I think most schools will actually be closed. Other than that, the rest of the week it's game on, starting on Wednesday. But this is my annual vacation, so I am going to crack down on my Python studies. I was going through it today a little bit, and I'm going to uh, focus a little bit more on that. Hope you guys are well. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye bye.